This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Sing that with us. Hallelujah. The struggle is over. The Wizards are out of the playoffs. They lost in five. They went out like chumps. I was thinking, you know, Embiid is out. We found a way to win game four. Rui Hachimura had a monster game. I was like, you know what? We got this. But Westbrook and Bill, anything's possible. No organs, no organs. But seriously, I thought, you know, we got this. We got this. Who cares about that 100% capacity Philly crowd? We're going to take care of business, and we're going to pounce on the opportunity. And it was a close game. And then the third quarter happened. See, this was right around the time I went out and did lift. And, you know, I had... A crazy lift story around that time, but I could talk about that another time. It's just, what I heard on the radio, Seth Curry and Dwight Howard just took over. And then Cork Moss hit some dagger threes. Once they got the lead to eight, I was a little bit worried. When they got the lead to 19, no, when it was 120 to 101, I was like, oh, it's over. It's a wrap. Season's over. I could tell when they were down eight, I was like, the end is near. I can sense it. And it's just just too much, man. The Sixers were too much offensively. How do you let Seth Curry score 26? Or did he have 30? Bro, regardless, like how? How on earth? I, I've never seen Seth Curry score that many points. The Wizards lost 129-112. I mean, Bradley Bill at 32. Yeah, Seth Curry at 30. 10 for 17 from the field. You have got to be kidding. But, you know, the Wizards just went out. Just went out how they usually go out this whole season. No defense. Uh, relying on Bradley Bill for all the scoring. That's just not going to work against a team like the Sixers with or without Joel Embiid. Now, Rui Hachimura, I give him credit. He did have 21 more points. He gained his confidence. But he was a minus 15. Westbrook was a minus 21. He had 24, 10, and 8. But damn, bruh. Bradley, Bradley Bill was a minus 14 and had five turnovers. But he had 32. Everyone outside of those three didn't take any more than eight shots and they didn't score in the double digit you have got to be getting got ran out of there now i figured you know game five full philly crowd i figured we were going to get ran out of there but i assumed that joel Embiid was going to play he did not and we still got ran up out of there Tobias Harris had another 28 points. I don't know how you let Seth Curry score 30. I don't know how you let Dwight Howard have 12 and 8. Tyrese Maxey had 13 off the bench. Like, Ben Simmons did what he normally did. He had a triple-double. But come on, man. It's ridiculous. 
But, you know, it, the struggle is over. The struggle is over. And we're on to next season, and already the conversation has started. Um, should we rebuild? Should we get rid of Scott Brooks? Here we go again. This is the conversation we was having before they went on that, you know, winning streak in good month of April of basketball. That's the conversation we were having, and now we're back to that. It's just where we are with the Wizards. I'm going to go through the rest of the playoffs real quick. Uh, the Hawks beat the Knicks. Oh, man, you Knicks fans are hilarious. This guy named Papa Left made a Trey Young diss song, and I'm not going to lie, I liked it. It was fire. <laughs> it was fire. It was funny. But I was like, y'all out here making diss songs. Y'all talk. Y'all chanting Trey is balding. Once Trey Young looked back and smiled at them in game two when uh, the Hawks knew they was going to lose, and then he said, I'll see you in A, I knew it was over. I just thought that maybe the Knicks would win game five. They couldn't even win game five. They lost that by double digits too. They got absolutely boat race in Atlanta, both games. I knew that was going to happen. I knew they weren't going to come to the A and win a single game. I knew that. And Trey Young killed it. Averaged 30 in the series. And and he the only player outside of Michael Jordan, or the only player since Michael Jordan to average to score 30 in the Garden in his first three games in the playoffs. I may have got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what it, the stat is. Ice trade a game. Ice trade a game. Fuck it. Ice trade a game. You already know. Congrats to them. I told you. I told you. I told you this guy is a Hall of Famer. He was never Javon Carter's son. You can, and, and, and here's another thing. Y'all can keep talking about his hair. Y'all can keep saying he looked like the Hello Bello baby. It don't matter. He busting your ass. He busting y'all ass. Y'all talk all this crap about his voice and his appearance. Yeah, I see you, Raquel. I see another another girl I follow talked about his hair and stuff. And probably the Philly, these, these the Philly women and all the other Philly fans I follow, they probably gonna talk about Trey Young's hair and stuff. And I'm just like, he's killing y'all. It don't matter to me. He's destroying y'all. At the end of the day, you play to win the game. I'm just saying. So all this talk about <laughs> what he looked like. <laughs> Y'all are weird, bro. Oh man, if I see another, I'm you. You know anything, Trey Young? You gonna see a lollipop with hair on it? I'm just like, oh boy, here we go. And he's just gonna score another 25, 30 points, and dish out another 10, 11 assists, and maybe get another five, six rebounds. He ain't gonna bust your team ass. So it don't matter to me. Keep on going, cause it ain't it ain't stopping him. <laughs> Oh man, you you know what, man? I got the Sixers and seven. Um, I, I I think the Hawks will push them. The Hawks are underrated, and they're 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 going to come to play. They're very underrated, and Trey Young is like that. So he's going to cause some problems for Philly, especially while they're trying to nurse Joel and B back to health. But at the end of the day, I think the Sixers are too good, and they're going to come in Game Seven. And, and they're just going to be too much for the Hawks, man. It's going to be too much. So, 
I got Sixers in seven. I was in Philly not too long ago, and the guys on 94.1, they're really confident. They're really confident. They believe they'll get rid of the Hawks in five or six easily. Maybe there's something I don't know. Or maybe I just have too much blind faith in Trey Young. But I'm serious, man. I, I think the, the Hawks will push it to seven, and they might even still. They might even still the entire series. So keep a lookout on that. Dame Lillard had an epic game five versus Denver. 55 points, and he just had people going crazy. When I looked at it, I was going crazy. Every step back three, he had a step back three that went off the glass. I'm like, shh, this guy is the truth. But it wasn't enough because credit to Denver, their role players stepped up. Monte Morris was spectacular. Porter was was awesome. Jokic did what he normally does. He had 30-point triple-double. They were just too much. And then in game six, from what I saw, I think Portland just ran out of gas. Dame Lillard, them step back threes he was making in Game Five, they weren't they weren't falling in Game Six in the fourth quarter. Them same shots he was taking, they weren't falling, and the Nuggets was just hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. Aaron Gordon hit a dagger three. I was like, dang, dang, you let Aaron Gordon hit a dagger three on y'all. Monte Morris was great again, and. They're gonna be a t- they're a tougher out than I thought. Imagine if they had Jamal Murray, it'll really be crazy. But the guys are stepping up on their team, and Jokic is doing what he does. They're gonna be tough. I I don't know if Phoenix can beat him. And Phoenix Phoenix beat L.A. like I thought. I said that the Suns were gonna win in seven. I I didn't really say it with my chest because you know you you can never count out. LeBron and AD, but I just looked at them in the play-in game. Just something didn't look right. I don't think they weren't healthy. They didn't look great. They were supposed to lose that game. And I'm like, Phoenix is going to beat this team because they're just the better team. And it took six instead of seven, but that's what happened. And then it doesn't help that AD was hurt. He couldn't play game five. And then game six, he was just a few minutes and he was done, man. He he couldn't go. Just too much, man. Um, too much Cam Johnson. Too much Chris Paul. Oh, Devin Booker. Devin Booker came out the gate with 33 in, in game six. Too much Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton was a beast down low. I mean, I I don't know who's going to win that Nuggets and Jazz series. My gut tells me to go with the team that's been the best all year, and that's Phoenix. That's my rule. You know, in the playoffs, it's safe to go with the team that's been the best team all season. But, you know, we'll see. I could be wrong. I, it's it's still, I think it's still a toss-up to me. The way Jokic and Monte Morch is, is playing, it's, that makes Denver a really tough out. Um, I'm, I'm going to come back to that one. That That's a tough one. I don't know who's going to win that. I mean, the Bucks got rid of the Heat. I didn't pay attention to that series. I knew the Bucks were going to win. I just didn't know they were winning four. I just love all the Miami Heat bubble jokes because, you know, they made the finals in the bubble, and then they come back this year and get swept. Um, just like they did in, I think it was 07, when they made the finals and they got swept by the Bulls. Like, same thing. And I'm just like, 
Them jokes are hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. And Jimmy Butler said he was stupidly locked in, and then they lost. That that was a bad look. Oh, man. Speaking of the Bucks, they lost game one last night, and Giannis had 34. He had 34, 11, and 12, I believe. I'm I'm going I'm gonna go back to this because I, I had it up here, I had it up here, but but seriously though like Giannis did his thing, and from what I saw from the full highlights, it's just that the Nets got out running and stuff, and it was a wrap. Kyrie Irving looked like he was just did whatever he wanted and just was in his element, and he was just it was child's play. It was too easy. Oh, my God. They let Blake Griffin score 18. He had 18 and 14. Oh, no. If, if that's going to happen, it's a wrap. Even with James Harden getting hurt. See, the thing about, you know, just like the, the Suns and the the Nets, if you got people like that stepping up off the bench, or oh, no, 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 Blake Griffin started, I believe. Yeah, he started. You got people like that stepping up, oh, it's over. It's a wrap. You know, Kevin Durant, uh, 29 and 10, looked like a normal stat line for him. 25, 8 and 5 for Kyrie Irving. I hope James Harden is okay. He hurt his hamstring. He didn't come back. Uh, you know, I hope he's okay because if he comes back, this series is over in five. If he comes back and he's healthy, it's over in five. The Bucs are too good. They're too talented. They were in this game and had the lead early. So they're going to be in it. But if Harden come back, I think this is over in five. Okay, no, 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 no. Bucks are a good team. I'll say six. I'll say six because the Bucks are a good team. But I, I don't know, man. The, the, the Nets are just way too talented. Real talk. Man. Almost a whole starting five had double digits. Not bad. Oh, man, Middleton had a double-double. That's not bad. I uh, keep my eye on that series. Uh, let's see. It, it's going to be a good one for sure. Am I missing anything? I'm not worried about the, the Grizzlies and the Jazz. I'm just, you know, happy that the Jazz did what they did for John Morant's family and gave them courtside seats. And uh, Donovan Mitchell and John Morant's father had a nice moment. I like that. That was pretty cool. But other than that... After game one, the Jazz just straight up was too much. They flexed. They flexed their muscles and got them up out of here. <laughs> Period. Oh, man. I think I covered all the series uh, pretty much. I don't really need to talk about the Nets getting rid of the Celtics because, I mean. Oh, you had that Kyrie Irving water bottle incident. I mean, it's not that big of a deal that he swiped his feet on the logo. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's Throwing water bottles at people. but I think I talked about that in the fan behavior segment last week. But, you know, um, Knicks and Sixers today. Game 7, Mavericks and Clippers. Oh, my God. That's what I'm missing. Kawhi Leonard turned into LeBron James versus the Celtics. He did what we wanted LeBron to do versus the Suns. He had 45 against the Mavericks. In Dallas, and, and the road team has won every game. I don't usually see series like that. That is that that series has been incredible. Just when you're ready to count out the Clippers, they come back 
and they make a statement in Dallas. Now, the the way the series has been going, the Mavericks should win, but I just think the Clippers will learn from what happened last year, and they're going to come out, and they're going to put the hammer down, and they're going to win. I'm not going to see the game because I'm going to be out playing football or I'm going to be leaving to go play football, so I'm going to miss it. But, man, that's going to be crazy, man. Uh, I, I'm i sure by the time I finish playing, I'll know who won. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens for sure. All right, real quick, the Washington Nationals. Okay. So, the Nationals played the Phillies on June 4th, 5th, and they played today at 1. I, I wanted to go to one of these games. And then I did choose the June 4th one, but then I backed out at the last minute. I did go to Philly anyway. Got my cheesesteaks and did stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, went out there, came back. And by the time I was coming back, the game was happening. And I missed a good one. Scherzer, Scherzer did Scherzer things and only gave up one run. And Juan Soto, just like last year when I went to the uh, Phillies game, Juan Soto hit another go-ahead home run. Oh, man, if I was there for that, I would have went crazy. But I missed it. I missed it. And then they played yesterday. Thank God I didn't go to that game either because I I wanted to go to Mystics and Aces, which I'm about to talk about very soon. Um, That game was crazy. Like, we lost. Lost that game. That was a classic 2021 Nationals game. Not much offense, and we have one inning where we just give up a a few runs, and we don't have the bats to catch up most of the time, so we lose. Classic Nationals game. Classic. Unbelievable. Well, I don't know what's going to happen today. Uh series is split. Just like uh, when the Nationals went out to Atlanta, I thought they were going to win the series, and then they turned back the classic Nationals after winning the second and third game of the series. Uh, They turned back into classic Nationals and uh, left Atlanta with a split. They're still not as bad as they were through 50 games the last two years, but I, I have less hope somehow than I did those well no last year the the season was pretty much over around this time uh two years ago and you thought it was the end of the world but then i kind of was until they just killed it in september this time uh, i'm not that i'm still not that optimistic but there's a lot of baseball left to be played it's not like last year where after 50 games we're so far back, it it doesn't even matter what we do. We're not catching them. We're not catching these folks. We, we had a slim chance of making the playoffs. But um, offense got to get going. Got to get some consistent offense. Strasburg is hurt again. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's 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 up with that. Um, I, It's just a shame because he's really good. He's a really good pitcher and has a heck of a resume. And when he's healthy... You saw what he did in the World Series. He was like that. But he hasn't been healthy all season. He got taken out of another start. And, I, you know, we just really need we need him back. 
Because that'll, that'll make us more dangerous, obviously. Yeah, so there we go. The Nats. Oh, man. Let's see what happens. A lot of baseball left to be played. The next game, I'm probably going to go to, because the, the Nationals come back to Philly in, a, in like two and a half weeks or two weeks. So I'll, I'll be at one of those games. All right. Mystics and Aces. So I was like, man, I got to go see a Mystics game. They 10 minutes away from me. They're on Alabama Avenue. I live off of Alabama Avenue. So they're just down the street. Um, yeah, the Aces, a title contender, arguably the best team in the in the league. And of course, they got the cute Australian chick named Liz Cambage. She's like 6'9, 300 pounds, right? Okay. Well, I saw her in person. Okay, before I continue, I must apologize to the Mystics and everyone involved with the Wear Orange campaign. I kind of made light of it and kind of tied it into my rivalry. So I showed up to the game wearing a Oklahoma shirt and a gold hat. You know, the gold trophy hat. Just for those who don't know, that's what you win if you uh, win the Red River Shootout. You get the golden hat trophy. So I call my hat the trophy hat. That was a response to wearing orange. I thought it was just just to represent the logo. No, 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 no. It's something much bigger than this. It's a campaign against gun violence that started a few years ago when this uh, teenage girl in Chicago got shot and killed. So I was like, damn, I feel bad. I'm worried about rivalries and stuff and it's people trying to do what i've wanted to be done for a while and that's to at least slow down gun violence and take action against gun violence someone's actually doing something about it i'm out here messing around so you know um maybe i'll donate after this show is over that's the least i can do this year since i don't really own any orange other than some orange basketball shoes so okay maybe i did wear orange this weekend so uh, uh, I kind of did my part, but it's a great cause and wearorange.org. I think that's what it is. Uh, look up that and see what you can do and see how you can take action against gun violence because it's important. So for this time only, for this time only, this happens every year around this time, you can wear orange. But usually, you do not. Because that's cat. I do not wear orange out here. No, 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 no. I'm not an Oki Light fan. I'm not a Texas fan. We can't rock orange out here. Unless it's for a cause like that. I'm just saying. Alright. But, you know, I did go off on that tangent. But but seriously, though. Um, the game was good. And from the beginning... Uh, Liz Cambage just looked like a big kid, just hopping and skipping around and smiling. I was like, man, I was just in awe of her because she's the biggest person out there. She's she's huge. I was like, God damn, that's a big girl. She's looking good, too. Of course she is. Of course. I had to get used to that. She just make me smile just looking at her. Just, just She makes me smile. Even though she's huge. 
and could bully me if she wanted to. <laughs> um, but seriously, though, uh, she started out slow. But then once she settled in, once the team settled in, she just made it look easy. Back to the basket, turn around, hook shot. She ain't put no effort into it. She laughing. Get the ball, jumper right over Tina Charles. Too easy. She kept, she kept doing stuff like that, and she really warmed up. She had 16 in the first half. It was just, and it was mainly the second quarter. She was just going off, and she was just getting put back and, and foul and ones. I'm like, this girl is, this is, this is what I came here for. But, you know, my favorite team versus my favorite player, and they were going at it, and the Mystics had control most of the first half because Tina Charles looked unstoppable. She was getting to the rim. They were doing a pick and pop, and she was hitting threes. She looked amazing out there. And then, well, Ariel Atkins took some ill-advised shots, but that's fine. She was still scoring, getting to the line. Maisha Hines, Howland, Allen made some tough shots. We we were really, like, game. Like, we definitely had control. If it wasn't for Raquana Williams having 12 in the first quarter, like, that was crazy to me. Who knows how many points the Mystics would have been up by at halftime. Instead, they let the Aces come back and take, a, uh, like, a one-point lead or something. And that's where they messed up. Because there were, like, a 10-minute stretch. Like, the end of the... the the second quarter and then the beginning of the third quarter where the misses were just awful. They were taking contested shots. They were missing shots. They weren't getting any calls. Oh, my God. I wish I could see the free throw line stats, but it seemed like the aces were at the line a lot. Asia Wilson was at the line a lot, and she wasn't missing, even though a homeboy that was in my section with the Ray Allen jersey He's had a lot of these DC games. He's a DC super fan. I'm, he's underrated. He was yelling loud. And, you know, uh, what's her name? Liz Cambage. Yeah, Liz Cambage was kind of smiling and talking a little shit to him. Of course, of course she's going to do that. But they were hitting their free throws. They were getting to the line. They were hitting their free. They weren't missing at all, especially Asia Wilson. Like, she had to struggle. She still had a double-double, even though she kind of struggled. She still had a double-double. But then they kind of pulled away in the third quarter. They got up by double digits. Fourth quarter, they tightened up on defense. Tina Charles got cold. And it got to a point where they were up 13, 14 points. I walked out after Ariel Atkins' uh, offensive foul. I was like, God damn it. You got to be kidding me. I think Jackie Young had 20 points. That team is pretty deep. They they are a lot deeper than I thought. Like Ricarna Williams, Chelsea Gray, uh, Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Derricka Hamby, like their sixth woman or whatever you want to call that. Team is loaded. Team is loaded. And just for extra measure, they got Destiny Slocum at the end of their bench. They got Kelsey Plum at the end of their bench. They were tight in college. They were like that in college. But on that team, they're kind of on the back burner. They're not, they're not the main characters on this team. Just, just saying, they got a pretty deep team, and I can see why they're top two. But uh, it's funny how when I walked out, the Mystics started coming back. 
Of course they did. Maybe I should have stayed when Maisha Hines Allen hit a three to cut it to 10 or 11, but I just couldn't, man. I just couldn't take it anymore. We just weren't playing good basketball for another long stretch at in late in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. I, it was frustrating to watch. And then they quit playing defense. They hadn't played defense the entire game. They had no answer for Liz Cambage. Chelsea Gray got going. Jackie Young. Like, it's just crazy, man. It's just, but with all that being said, they fought to the end, thank God. And they only lost by three. They made it interesting from what I saw at the end. But it just wasn't enough. And the Aces won by three. But I enjoyed my experience. I got to go back to a Mystics game. And honestly, with the way Maisha Hines-Allen and Tina Charles played for the most part, and Ariel Atkins, you got those three already. T. Cloud quietly getting a lot of assists. This team is not bad. Like, this team is legit. I don't know if they're going to beat the Aces or the Storm. Like, that's a lot to ask. But <laughs> that's a lot to ask. But when Deladon come back, Deladon isn't even back yet. If she come back healthy, this team could make a run, and we might see the Aces again. And I, I don't know if we can beat them, but we're going to see them again. With Deladon, with Deladon, that's gonna that might give us the edge. Or if it doesn't give us the edge, it, it'll make a series with them competitive, just like a few years ago. I enjoyed my time. I enjoy seeing Liz Cambage in person. Uh, damn, damn hearts came coming out of my eyes watching her. But yeah, <laughs> I love me some Liz Cambage, man. Oh my God. Oh yeah, there was some really. Bad no calls on Tina Charles. She kept getting hit in the hand, and there she wasn't getting nothing. I'm man, Tina Charles was yelling at the rest, and it's like, man, she could have did a lot more because she was getting, she wasn't getting nothing, and I understand her frustration. I mean, it just is what it is. Out of all the people to get texts, the assistant coach on the Mystics got got attacked. Wow. The way they were calling the game at times, yeah, I, I can see why they would be upset. It, it it went both ways, to be fair. Like, there are some calls we got away with. There are some stuff we got away with. There are some fouls we shouldn't have got. All that. So, hey, it is what it is. Um, uh, Let's see what we got next. Kwame Brown still annihilating people. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, my God. He's on a relentless attack against Stephen A. Smith. But that, but that's fine because Stephen A. Smith spent all those years. Every time you bring up Kwame Brown, he just got into his bag and just went in on him. And fans were eating it up. And I was one of those fans. This shit was hilarious. I'm going to just keep it real with you. It was hilarious. Kwame Brown fought back like we knew he would eventually. And the time had come. And he's not letting up. You know, this is overall point that, you know, these guys are go-along, get-along gang. And that, you know, they're on a mission to push this narrative about black men. Stephen A. Smith is a media puppet. I don't know if I can go all that far, but it's just, that's what he's saying. And 
<laughs> the fans are loving it. It's hilarious. Oh man, we just—I I think we just love the entertainment aspect of it. But if you look at the—I guess—the deeper message. It's just that Kwame Brown is just trying to bring back masculinity, trying to eliminate, you know, what people call toxic toxic masculinity. He's just trying to bring back masculinity. I loved his um, interview with Judge Joe Brown. It's like, man. It's like sitting down talking with your uncles at the cookout for two hours. It, it was awesome. Definitely a great, you know, great video for, for men, you know, to if you want to look at it and get some free game, some knowledge. And, you know, to motivate you as a man, you know, you, you got to look at something like that. And I, the Craig Hodges interview was cool, too. This just Kwame Brown's on a roll. He's on fire, and just like Kevin Samuels, his popularity skyrocketed, and he's he's the MVP. Like him and Kevin Samuels are battling for Black Manosphere MVP. <laughs> and you know they have a greater purpose, man. And they're just trying to they're just trying to change how society sees Black men. I don't blame them. You know, it's it's fire. Oh, man, he didn't roast Rachel Nichols. He didn't have to roast Jamel Hill because it, it wasn't that serious. You chose Valens, but he took it some sort of way, but whatever. Cook Rachel Nichols. Cooks Stack 5 and Matt Barnes. And he he cooked uh, Skip Bayless. Dog. <laughs> He's just destroying people. He really destroyed the Breakfast Club. He destroyed the Breakfast Club so bad, I don't even want to listen to them anymore. That's how bad he destroyed them. Jesus, especially Charlemagne and God, he died. Sheesh. I just, Kwame Brown with his, his mama's cooking, just showing y'all that, you know, don't don't be afraid to be a man. Don't be afraid to be yourself and don't let anyone talk down to you and disrespect you. I like that message. I, it might be something else I'm missing, too. I'm going to have to go back and look at the tape, but... I just, it's, it's beyond entertainment. There's a message. And I, I like that. All right. So, what we got next? Fan behavior fatigue. Yeah. So, okay. I kind of already talked about this last week. But, yeah, I'm kind of tired of it. Though, you had a fan running on the court at the Wizards game. I'm like, what? what are you doing? Even at the Nationals game in the rain delay, you had someone running through there naked. Like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? And I'm tired of the radio hosts and TV personalities talking about it. We just got to be, we got to be done with this. We got to get past this. Like, the fans running on the field, like, that happens, like, all the time. It's that all that other stuff, the popcorn and the supposed spitting. And that's what, you know, caused them to overreact to the Wizards fan going on to the court that's what's caused all this you know widespread discussion about fans on the court or on the playing field you know i there's some 99 percent of us wouldn't do anything like that it's just dumb because you lose your tickets and you get arrested like that kid in boston like he's literally might get at the most 10 years in prison because of what he did if he hit Kyrie irving he would be in prison for five to ten years or more but it didn't hit Kyrie Irving, so he might get get a lighter sentence. But 
it's just not worth it, man. Just I hope this is the last time I got to talk about fans acting the fool because we're finally back now and most in some places in full capacity. Just look at the Women's College World Series. They're packed out there. It's like it's like 2019 all over again. <laughs> they packed. Oh, man. They are packed out there. But, yeah, man, I'm tired of talking about fan behavior. Uh, just, just 99% of us going to be cool, but you got 1% that's going to be assholes. And it's just, just don't take away from the game. Just don't, you know what I'm saying? Just don't have the players wanting to fight you and stuff. We don't want to see anyone get get bodied like that guy in Malice in the Palace hit, caught that sliding punch from Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> yeah. He got destroyed. Oh, my God. All right. Real quick, uh, Naomi Naomi Osaka. So she withdrew from the French Open. Um, she was facing fines for not, you know, addressing the media. And I respect her choice to not address the media. But I guess the tennis tournaments took it more seriously than I thought they would. I guess they're really serious about you know, pushing their tournament through the media. Not just through ads, but through interviews and stuff. And I'm just like, man. And and just Naomi's Osaka's explanation for not wanting to do the media stuff, it just makes sense. Like, sometimes you just want to be by yourself and don't want to be around people. And you, especially when you have any type of anxiety or depression, the last thing you want to do is to sit there and be grilled by random strangers. Um, It's just that it's just too much for her sometimes. She's probably mentally drained, mentally and emotionally drained from, you know, playing hard. And sometimes she's probably already hard on herself when she loses. She probably doesn't feel good about herself when she loses. And then, then you got people asking these questions. It's just probably mentally taxing so she want to take time and focus on her mental health and that that is great because i don't want her to lose her mind because uh you know she didn't focus on mental health and she just loses it and then she can't play it anymore period you know take some time for her relax and she got everyone talking. She got the tournaments really. She got the tournament committees and whoever's in the suits and um running these tournaments. They got them talking about how they should approach the media availabilities and media policy and mental health. You know what I'm saying? They got people really talking and it's just that's part of the adult experience, the mental health thing. That's been that's the toughest part. That's one of the toughest things, dealing with your mental health, prioritizing it. It's tough, man. That's the most that's one of the hardest parts, man, cuz when things don't go the way you want to go and and you got other things to deal with, it's just that you just go to a dark place sometimes. I've been there. I know how she feels. Even if things look good on the outside, on the inside, you might not feel the same. 
So you got to take care of that. But I got to move on because it's time for the Sooner Schooner. Boomer Sooner. Our softball girls. Okay, first of all, they bodied Washington. They got revenge on Gabby Plain. Thank God. Because the way she did us a few years ago broke my heart. I was at the first game where she beat us. Then she beat us the second game. I was pissed. Eliminated us. Of course I carried that grudge. Came to Norman. Got spanked. Two game sweep. The second game was a run rule. We gotta get you back if this the last thing I do. Had to get her back. And then they gave us JMU game one. I'm going to be honest. I was overconfident. I knew Odyssey Alexander was amazing and she was going to be tough. But I still thought, I was like, Odyssey Alexander never seen a team like us. Man, she shut us down too. Other than a three-run home run, OU didn't really do anything. They left runners on base. And then they gave up a home run in extras. When Listen, when JMU went up 3-0, I was like, the game is just starting because I've seen OU go down one nothing, two nothing, four nothing, and then come back and run rule the team or score ten runs in the inning. I've seen it happen multiple times. That's how good this team is. But credit to JMU, they shut the door. Once they shut the door on that inning where uh OU hit that three run homer, I knew something was up. I was like, oh, they're for real. Then I went out and did a lift, and OU hadn't scored in the next three innings. They didn't score the rest of the game. And then they hit a home run. I was like, we don't score. They're going to score again. They hit that home run in extras, and they stole the game, and I just, my mouth dropped wide open. I could not believe it. But credit to Odyssey Alexander. She's just nice. She can hit and she can pitch. She's another Kalani Ricketts, Rachel Garcia. And she's a good-looking black woman. That's great, too. So, hey, she's nice, and her legend is growing. She did the same thing against Oklahoma State and had a diving uh, out at the plate. The realest. But, the, but then, you know, after that, we we were all a little bit worried. People were starting to, you know, think the worst. And it was like, man, we done choked again. We about to choke again, just like football, yada, yada, yada. We came back and smacked Georgia, run ruled down. Then UCLA, it was supposed to be the national championship. It wasn't. UCLA got no hit by Alabama, spanked, destroyed. And then... They got up 3-0 on OU, Rachel Garcia again with a three-run homer, and we're like, here we go again. She kill us in the circle, then she hitting home runs. It looked like 2019 all over again, just like the crowd. But credit to the Sooners. They put in G. Warris. G. Warris has been spectacular. Shut out Georgia. Shut out UCLA after that home run. Well, she didn't give up any runs against UCLA. G. Warris has just been serving that ether. And she's just been locked in. She didn't do well against Washington or Oklahoma State. But 
she has some time to sit there and think about her recent performances, and she came in locked in, and that's going to be why OU goes back to the championship. That's going to be the difference because G. Juarez is locked in. She's showing why she's been here and done that. She's learned from her past mistakes. She's come out of her slump. So you're finished. You're done. And UCLA got that work. Ten straight runs. Ten straight. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Mackenzie Donahue with two home runs. She hit that first home run. When I saw her on the plate after that, fir- that first home run, I was like, she going to hit another one. And damn it, she hit another one. Another one. Her legend is growing. She's becoming one of these unsung heroes in the Women's College World Series, just like Odyssey Alexander or Montana Fouts. Montana Fouts. She's becoming one of them big stories in the, in, the, in the Women's College World Series. Someone who didn't even really start like that during the season. She's just become a legend before our very eyes. And all the actual softball legends from OU, like the Lauren Chamberlains, the Aaron Millers, um, names are escaping me, uh, Shelby Penley, Destiny Martin, Jessica Soul, they were all there watching in OKC. Shay Knighton, they all, they were all there watching. And it was just poetic. And she's just going to be among them. If we win this title, she's going to be among them, even if we don't. What she did against UCLA, we'll never forget it. So, in the same year, we got revenge on Rachel Garcia and Gabby Plain. The last two women to end our season. Got revenge on both of them. And I just love it. So, now we got to get Odyssey Alexander. And we got to win twice. We got to win twice. But I've seen them do it. I've seen them beat teams. I seen them, they dropped one to Oklahoma State, then beat them three straight. Why can't we do that against JMU, who's about the same level as Oklahoma State? I said they're a little bit worse than Oklahoma State, but somehow they beat them a few days ago. I still think Oklahoma State's a better team, but we got to beat JMU. Gotta be, this is no different than when we lost to Oklahoma State. Bro, this cicada, when cicadas start yelling, I get freaked out. <laughs> One is outside of my window yelling, trying to attract a woman or something. What the hell? This is just nonsense. <laughs> this is nonsense, bro. Get out of here. Anyway, congrats to my Sooners. Got to beat JMU twice, and then I'm expecting Alabama, and that should be a good one. That should be a good one. Now, let me... Real quick, let me address this Washington football Twitter and Oklahoma football Twitter beef. Right after we beat Washington, you had one of these Washington sports accounts saying that this is the last this is the last thing you want to do. This is something we do sometimes. How you lose us in one sport then start talking about football. Why would you talk football with us? That's our specialty. So this guy's saying, hey, they beat us in softball. I wonder what it would be like to face them in football. I think we can beat them. And once again, they's just downplaying the Big 12. When Sooner fans start responding, all I all I kept hearing was, all I kept seeing was, you lost to Iowa State and Kansas State. You lost to Iowa State and Kansas State. 
Man, you lost to Colorado and a down Stanford. And then the excuses from them was you didn't we didn't win the big Pac twelve because of COVID. We were winning before COVID. I don't want to hear all that, man. Excuses, bro. Excuses. Cause at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are the better program. We've always been a better program. I'm not gonna lie. Y'all have been very competitive with uh, Chris Peterson, and even in the early 2000s, y'all were right up there. But other than that, no, man, ah, crazy. And the last time we played y'all, we blew y'all out. Jake Locker died. Beat y'all. We had a home and home. We killed y'all. Jake Locker came to Norman, died. We came to Seattle, smacked y'all. I ain't trying to hear it. Y'all, y'all talk down on the Big 12. You're not better than Iowa State. And I'm not even sure. Okay, you might be better than Kansas State. But if Kansas State was healthy, I don't even think you can beat them. So don't even talk about the Pac-12. I mean the Big 12. Especially when your quote-unquote champ lost to Iowa State. So I don't want to hear it. And we avenged that loss against Iowa State, but y'all weren't paying attention to that. I know y'all weren't. Y'all were worrying about the USC or whatever the hell y'all be watching. Um, <laughs> for real, man. Like, I don't, don't even, this just another college football fan base that just shouldn't be talking. That we didn't ran through Tennessee. We all, we, we body Texas A&M all the time. I ain't worried about them. Merlin was talking at one point. Y'all just need to, y'all need to stop. Because most of y'all programs can't say nothing. We have an answer for everybody, except maybe Clemson and Alabama. And even Clemson is just a recent phenomenon. Because over time, if you look throughout history, OU's been the better program. OU's been the better program than pretty much everyone except maybe Alabama. Everybody else, no, we got an answer for you. So just don't don't even try. Cause we coming back with that fire. Even Ohio State. I mean, all we gotta do is pull up the national championship footage and and uh Baker Mayfield uh planting the flag at the shoe. Don't even get me started, boy. I'm just saying. Anyway, man, enough of this. I'm hopping off the sooner schooner, and it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. This week's hypothetical game of the episode is a rematch between South Crenshaw and the 2009 McNamara Mustangs high school football. Um, South Crenshaw, Chargers, you already know, the show All-American, you know, Spencer James, Chris, Coach Baker, Jabari Long, the cornerback, Furazzo, the running back. You, you you know who they are if you watch the show. Then McNamara, you got, I was a, a guard. I was a lineman. Uh, I was honorable mention all-conference. I did okay. I kind of underachieved. I was an underachiever, overachiever. I could have did a lot more, but then again, what more could I do being an undersized offensive lineman in one of the toughest conferences on the East Coast. I, the cuff, toughest conference on the East Coast. What more can you do? I did what I could. 
but I could have did more. <laughs> Still, um, you got me, you got Brandon Coleman, our receiver who played for Rutgers and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you got Goldsmith, our other receiver and cornerback who played for Illinois State. And you got Rashawn Rose, beast of a D lineman who went to East Carolina. Marcus Williams went D1, D tackle. Uh, you got Nico Law who went to Iowa. Uh, you got, man, you, you just got, <laughs> you got Kari, our middle linebacker, went to Buffalo. Uh, you just got some beasts, man. But, you know, the main character is, is Brandon Coleman, six foot, six foot six receiver. A beast, killed South Crenshaw in the last hypothetical game of the episode. Uh, remember the mini tournament in, in the, uh, in Jamaica? Yeah. Uh, that was a hell of a game that South Crenshaw won. But this time, you know, they signed a contract to do a home-and-home. And and so we're going to start in L.A., in South Crenshaw. Here we go. So it's a sold-out crowd. It's mostly South Crenshaw fans. A few McNamara fans made the long-distance trip from PG County to L.A. But it was mostly, you know, some parents and maybe a few students. But for the most part, mostly South Crenshaw fans. And the fans are packed. You know, all the the main characters from All-American are there. You know, Spencer's mom and Olivia's there. All that. Anyway, South Crenshaw won the toss and elected to receive. And from the gate, they came out with the energy. They came out with that fire. Um, from the start. After a meager kickoff return, first play, first down, a deep post route to Spencer James for a touchdown. You know, he we go cover one, burns the safety, burns the cornerback, touchdown. And the crowd is going crazy. Already it's 7-0 South Crenshaw. McNamara, 2009 McNamara, we go three and out. I'm not winning my matchup up front so far. It's just too much. They're jumping on the runs and the double teaming Brandon Coleman. But three and out, three and out. Uh, McNamara punts it and uh, South Crenshaw takes it back all the way to the 15 yard line of McNamara. So now South Crenshaw is deep into McNamara territory. And just like that, uh, Chris throws a screen pass to Spencer James, and he scores 15 yards for a touchdown. Now it's 14 nothing South Crenshaw, and we're just getting started. It's barely been two minutes, and it's already 14 nothing South Crenshaw. But, you know, my squad will fight back. Eight-play drive. Uh, Hannibal with a few good runs, and Lamont with a catch, uh, Boogie with a catch, and uh, Matt Goldsmith with a catch. But we got to fourth and two. We went for it, tried to run with Brandon Jackson. He got stopped at the line, didn't get it. And South Crenshaw ended the quarter up 14 uh, 0. Nani, Nani Patterson, their new kicker, new female kicker, they get back into McNamara territory and she misses a field goal. She misses a field goal. And then McNamara comes back. After a run for no gain, uh, James, our quarterback, hits Boogie up the seam for a 25-yard gain. And 
were nearing midfield. And now Brandon Coleman hits a double move. It's a double move up the sideline. And Spencer James makes up makes up some ground, makes up some speed. The ball floats. But Brandon Coleman mosses Spencer James. And he scores. It's 14-7. It's 14-7 South Crenshaw. So both teams slow down offense. Three and outs for both teams. McNamara gets it to the 45. And they punt. So that's another you know, empty possession for them. Then South Crenshaw goes on another long drive from deep in their territory. But it, that ends with a 50-yard field goal by Nani Peterson. And that made the crowd go crazy because she made a long field goal. And she's she's a black woman doing, you know, amazing things. So she hit that field goal at 17-7 South Crenshaw. McNamara gets back to the Crenshaw 35s and 45. And but they do a Hail Mary with like five seconds to go. Brandon Coleman had his hands on it, but it was knocked away by South Crenshaw's safety. He was quadruple team and still almost mossed everybody, but he didn't. Incomplete. Boom. So halftime 17 7 South Crenshaw. McNamara gets the ball, immediately drives down the field. Run pass, screens, and they get deep into South Crenshaw's territory and ends it with a five-yard touchdown to John Harris, the tight end, on a rollout. Easy rollout, walk into the end zone, but with a missed extra point, 17-13 South Crenshaw. So Ferrazzo, the running back from South Crenshaw, 11-yard run for the first down right off the bat. Then they go three and out after that. McNamara takes the punt. DJ, we call him DJ, gets the punt. He runs it all the way back for the touchdown, and it's 20-17 to McNamara, just like that. So after a few plays, Chris from South Crenshaw overthrows a pass to Spencer James and Ian Ian picks it off. Ian, our cornerback, picks it, picks it off. And he goes into South Crenshaw territory where McNamara caps it off with a screen touchdown, a running back screen touchdown to Nick Barnes. Seldom used scat back Nick Barnes catches the ball and scores for a 25-yard screen touchdown. And now it's 27-17 McNamara, 2009 McNamara. After another long field goal to end the quarter by Nani, it's 27-20 South Crenshaw. No, it's 27-20 McNamara at the end of three. McNamara starts off the quarter, three and out. Then South Crenshaw gets the ball, long run deep into McNamara territory, but their offense stalls, and so they line up for another field goal. But this time they decide to fake, and the holder gets up, sprints to the left, he pitches it to Nani, and she gets blasted by Nico Law, the safety slash guy who blocks field goals. Destroys her, knocks her off her feet. She's she's pretty much slow to get up. And he is hyped. The crowd is booing. The McNamara sideline is going crazy. And then it's some pushing and shoving. Everyone on the field is pushing and shoving. Spencer James gets in the middle of it. And penalties for both teams and it all sets 
and now we are replaying the down. South Crenshaw replayed it down. They actually kick a field goal this time, and it's 27-23 McNamara. Uh, two first downs from Mac, and then they punt. South Crenshaw had two big runs from Fuazzo, and then they hit a deep out to Spencer James, who was having a monster game. Chris finds receiver, not named Spencer James, in the back of the end zone, and it's 30-27. to South Crenshaw, just like that. Very good game, just like the last time. Hannibal immediately sprints past the safety for a 20-yard run. And now uh, Brandon Coleman catches a dig route for 15 yards, but he breaks a tackle. Stiff arms, stiff arms Spencer James breaks another tackle, runs over the safety that he raced to the end zone with, and it's 34-30 McNamara. So time is winding down. The game is ending. South Crenshaw on another long drive. They converted a few fourth downs. Uh, killing them with the rollout and play action pass. But now it's fourth down. They, their offense kind of stalled a bit in the red zone. It's fourth down. They got to have it. They're down four. They can't just kick a field goal. Uh, Chris tried to hit um, tried to hit Spencer James on a dig, but it was a bad pass, and it was picked off by Ian Garns, and he ran it all the way back for a touchdown, 95 yards. Great blocking by the defense. Krishan Rose had a crazy pancake. Marcus had a crazy pancake. Brandon Coleman took out two people, and he went to – and Ian went to the house easily. 41-30, that would be the dagger. Ferrazzo had a nice little uh, catch for a first down, but after that, they went four downs and out. McNamara gets the ball back. They nail the ball, and they get their revenge on South Crenshaw. 41-30, the final. And the third game will be sometime later this year. Back in PG County at McNamara. It's going to be crazy. But it's 1-1. Series is 1-1. Tiebreaker will be later this year. So that's the hypothetical game of the episode. And the end of the, end of the episode. And the end of the episode. 41-30. 2009 McNamara over South Crenshaw. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.